0: Today is Monday, August 26th, 2019. On this day in 1916, Virginia Hill was born on a horse farm in Lipscomb, Alabama. As an adult, she would go on to become one of America's most infamous mob queens. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're going back to the birth of Virginia Hill, who eventually became one of the most towering figures in the national criminal underworld. She was arguably the most powerful female mob boss of her era, wielding wealth, glamour, and sex like deadly weapons but she rose from humble beginnings. Before we unpack the ramifications of Virginia Hill's life, let's go back to the evening of her birth on August 26, 1916, a little after supper. As another day on the farm came to a close, Margaret Hill sat at the dining table, worrying. One of the kids massaged her bloated feet. Another washed the dishes. A third dried. Where the other three had gotten to, goodness knew. Margaret could only hope they were staying out of trouble. As far as their father went, she didn't even bother to hope. She knew Mac was getting into trouble. He'd earned a bit of cash this past week. That would go towards drink, not the grocery bills. On top of it all, this baby, he wouldn't stop kicking. He would be a strong one. Maybe he'd end up a better stud farmer than his father. Maybe she'd manage to keep him from the drink, make him a stand-up type, the kind who'd care for his woman, treat her tenderly, set aside every penny for his family. Or it could be a girl, but God forbid a woman this strong, The world treated strong girls harshly. Well, men did. They beat them down. Sometimes they just flat out beat them, she concluded, thinking of her husband. Ah, Margaret gasped and clutched her ballooning stomach. She'd known it was coming, and soon. But tonight? This baby was wasting no time. Her son, with Margaret's feet in his lap, looked at her with concern. She smiled at him weakly, whispering softly, don't worry little one, it'll be over soon. I should know, it's the seventh time around. Margaret looked around the room with a sigh. Mac wasn't here, but she'd handle it herself. She had before. Kids, come over to your mama. She gasped as another contraction hit. You, sweetie pie, go around to the neighbors and ask if anyone is free to come help with a birth over here. And you, honey girl, you go find any of your brothers and sisters you can muster. Margaret glanced at a framed photo of her with Mac and their firstborn sitting at a picnic and laughing. Another kind of pain passed over her face for a moment, not a contraction this time. After a moment of hesitation, she looked back at her daughter and added, And once you've found the other kids, go look for your daddy down at the tavern too. The two children scattered, running through the Hill family's ramshackle four-room house. The little foot-rubber sat still and asked softly, Mama, what should I do? It took Margaret a moment to reply. Her mouth was busy, twisting in pain. But then she swung her legs to the floor, patted his little knee, and explained that she needed him here with her to help her with the pain. Her eyes blinked quickly to clear away the water, then focused on his silky head of fair hair. So shiny and beautiful, that hair. But it wouldn't be for long if he didn't get enough to eat. Every train of thought led her back here, to the question of how she'd feed her six little ones, and now this new baby on the way. Money. She so desperately needed money. Winter was coming. They'd need to keep warm to eat. That cost money. A shiver ran down her back. She'd lived through two cold winters before, winters where every day hunger gnawed at her belly. So had her children. The kids were smart and strong. They could look out for themselves and each other while she was gone. They'd be fine alone, but with their father, if he was home alone with them after drinking, she wasn't as sure they'd be all right. Margaret shivered again. Harder this time, another contraction hit. She gritted her teeth. The door burst open, interrupting her pain. It was the auntie from next door with two of the kids. The neighbor took charge. Margaret leaned against her as they limped into the bedroom. The children pawed at their mother's wrists and ankles until they were ordered off to boil the water and collect clean rags. Margaret shut her eyes for the first time since before sunup. Worry, as always, flashed across her mind. She could almost hear the elusive clink of coins somewhere far away. But this wasn't the time for that. It was time to pray. To pray for a living, healthy baby. Though she wasn't so worried about that this time, after those vigorous kicks. To pray that the baby would live happy and safe and well. To pray that it grew up to have more than she had now. To pray that it would follow God's path. Coming up, we'll hear how far from God Margaret's baby fell, and how far from poverty she rose. Now, back to the story. On August 26, 1912, Margaret Hill gave birth to Virginia Hill on a small horse farm in Lipscomb, Alabama. Virginia, like her mother and her siblings, lived through hunger and through her father's violent drunken rages. He beat the children as well as their mother. But even from an early age, Virginia resented his treatment. At seven years old, she threw hot sausage grease on him, fighting back against his blows. At 14 or 15, she left home and married her first husband. Her father's treatment, however, had left its mark. From the time Virginia was a little girl, she knew she could never fall in love. Her mother had fallen in love with Mac, and look where that had gotten her. And everywhere around her, Even in more peaceful households, Virginia saw a different version of the same story playing out its long, sad narrative – women giving, men taking. She was going to flip that story and use men as stepping stones to fame, fortune, and power. In 1933, at age 17, she made her way to Chicago, where she quickly found her way into a circle of high-profile mobsters, first as a girlfriend, then as a courier, and eventually as a powerful keeper of secrets, with ammo against almost every prominent mobster in Chicago and on the East Coast. She was valued in mob circles across America for her good memory, her ability to charm and diffuse tension, and her particular talent for talking up a storm without revealing anything she didn't want to. Ultimately, her talents led her to become a powerful mob boss in her own right. She sat at tables with Al Capone and Lucky Luciano, handled millions for the mob, and made millions more for herself, and that's not even the half of it. What makes Virginia's story so fascinating is the fact that she used the stereotypes and condescension men applied to her at every turn to her advantage. She was a strong woman, as Margaret had worried she might be. But she was able to mold and manipulate her strength into shapes that worked for her in the male-dominated, criminal underworld. After that first pan of hot oil she threw at her abusive father, her methods for fighting against male dominance grew more subtle and complicated. They didn't necessarily look like feminism. In fact, Virginia encouraged male assumptions about her frivolous, emotional, and superficial nature. But all the while, she was playing them and giving as good as she got, if not far more. Margaret didn't need to worry about this baby. Virginia Hill did well for herself. But the crime, betrayal, and mistrust that characterized her lifestyle took their toll. Eventually, she ended up testifying in televised Senate mob hearings that captured the nation, evading IRS charges of tax evasion, and fleeing to Europe, where she lived out the rest of her short life. She had attempted suicide many times, but in 1966, at age 49, a final try killed her. However, her fascinating story exemplifies many of the challenges that faced women of her era, whatever their profession. It also shows one unique, brave, and often ingenious approach to achieving enormous goals against all odds. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Virginia Hill, check out the episodes of Female Criminals that dive deeper into her life and crimes. And for more stories of mobsters, check out the ParCast Original, Kingpins. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Edmire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson.